up next on Walking by Faith. That you might think you hear a voice from heaven. He said, you might be sure you're right about something. He said, but if you want to know what is for sure the truth, he said, it's the Word of God. He said, it is more reliable than something you see with your eye, something you hear with your ear. Hello, I want to welcome you to Walking by Faith, and thank you so much for being with us today. We're going to take a look at what Christians believe and why we believe it. You know, the oldest creed in Christendom is the Apostles' Creed. Um, we have this creed, basically we had it about 10 years after the Apostle John died, in about the year 110. And it was referred to as the rule of faith. It was the confession that believers would make when they were water baptized. Now, the reason this is important is because so many people today are trying to reinvent the church, but we don't have any right to reinvent the church. The Bible says that the faith was once and for all delivered to the saints. You know, really, Christian belief is not a smorgasbord where you go, well, I like the virgin birth, but I really don't like the ascension, or I don't like the inspiration of Scripture. Now, there, there is a foundation the faith that was once and for all delivered to the church. And anyone who's trying to reinvent the church, to change the church, has no right because the church is not yours and it's not mine. Jesus said, I will build my church. In Acts chapter 20, it's the church that he purchased with his own blood. It belongs to him and no one has a right to change the church. And unfortunately, many people believe that they're Christians, but they don't believe what Christians believe. They have a moralistic, therapeutic, deistic uh, theology that basically allows them to live a selfish life, where Christians live their life for the one who died for them and rose again. I believe that this series that we're going to do on the Apostles' Creed is going to bless you and deepen your Christian faith. And I'd like you to come with me right now as we begin this series. Now, how many of you grew up in a church where you would uh, go through the Apostles' Creed? Come, wave at me. All right. Well, during this series, we are going to do just that. And we're going to begin each of the weeks by going through the Apostles' Creed together. I think we've got it up here on the screen. And uh, can we go through this together? It says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, who was, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From hence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Universal Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. It's really unfortunate today 
how far so many people who call themselves Christians have drifted from biblical teaching. Now, in, in your New Testament in the Bible, in the book of Jude, it says this in the third verse. It says, well, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, the faith is what Christians believe. And notice that it was delivered once for how many? For all. Once for all. In other words, what Christians believed in the first century, in the fifth, in the tenth, in the eighteenth, should be the same that Christians believe in the 21st. Because the faith was delivered once for all. And notice he said, you'll have to contend earnestly for it. You'll have to fight. Because there is just, there is just always this drift away from truth. It's true in our personal lives. If it, you, there's people here, you struggle today with things that you used to believe to be true. Because you have an enemy, the enemy of your faith. And he's going to try to bring doubt into your mind. It's true um, about denominations. It's true about institutions. Harvard University, Princeton University, those universities were begun by Christians to train ministers. And today, the very thing that once they stood for, they mock today because they have drifted away. And it says that you need to contend earnestly for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. Uh, Christian Smith is a researcher, and he asked American teenagers some questions about their faith. And here's what he said when he finished his survey. He said that both Protestant and Catholic teens today have a moralistic, therapeutic deism. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. Moralistic meaning live a good life. Therapeutic means the purpose of God is so that he, you will feel good about yourself and help you get through some of your problems. And deism basically means, yes, a God exists. Um, he kind of threw the world into existence, but he doesn't have a lot to do with the world that he created. Again, both Protestant and Catholic teens, he said most of them, their theology is moralistic, therapeutic, Deism. He breaks it down into five things. He said they believe that a God exists who created the order of the world and watches over human life on earth. Secondly, God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other, as is taught in the Bible in most world religions. Thirdly, the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about yourself. Number four, God does not need to be particularly involved in anyone's life except when God is needed to solve your problems. And number five, good people go to heaven when they die. Now, the first two, um, yeah, they, you, you could find some scripture to stand with those. God created this earth, no doubt about it. And secondly, God wants people to be good and to be nice. Um, Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. 
But three, four, and five are, are really not at all based in biblical teaching, right? Uh, the Bible, <clears throat> we believe in this church, and we will be going, coming from this place, that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant word of God. In other words, it's God's breathe, it's God speaking to us, and the Bible is true. It is absolute truth. Now, by the way, today in America, only 22% of Christians believe in absolute truth. Now, I want to go to 2 Peter a moment. And by the way, this is the introduction. We're going to get into some stuff today, but I just want to take just a couple moments to let you know where we're coming from as Christians. 2 Peter 1, verse 16. Peter said, For we have not followed cunningly divine fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him on the holy mountain. We also have a more sure word of prophecy. So Peter, James, and John are with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus, literally, the Bible says he began to shine, right? Moses and Elijah appear, and they're talking with, with Jesus, and a cloud comes by, and God speaks out of the cloud and says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And he said, we heard that, but he said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Now, what is more sure than something that you hear and something that you see? What is more sure? The Bible is the more sure word. It is more sure than what you see. But what, what it says here is this, that you might think you hear a voice from heaven. He said, you might be sure you're right about something. He said, but if you want to know what is for sure the truth, he said, it's the word of God. He said, it is more reliable than something you see with your eye, something you hear with your ear. In Isaiah 6.20, it says, to the law, and the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. So if they disagree with the word of God, it's because there's no truth, there's no light in them. The Bible claims to, be the, to have the unique privilege of being the means that God speaks to humanity through. And it possesses absolute truth, right? God's ideal way of changing us is to have us read and believe the Bible to find out how we should live and then depend on the indwelling Holy Spirit to enable us to do so. Now, the Apostles' Creed in the form that we have it today, we basically had that creed in the year 110, about 10 years after the Apostle John died. Um, there is really kind of like a, a fable out there that each one of the apostles contributed a line to the Apostles' Creed. That is not true. But about 10 years after John died, we had the Apostles' Creed in the basic form that we have it today. And it was called the rule of faith. The rule of faith. And when someone wanted to be water baptized, they made the confession of the Apostles' Creed. And it is the oldest Christian creed, right? And it was given to give us understanding about the beliefs of Christians, what the church of Jesus Christ believes. Now, you know this, but Jesus is the head 
of the church. He's the head of the church because he bought the church. The Bible says in Acts chapter 20, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. The church belongs to Jesus. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's his. And because it's his and not yours or mine, we have no right to change it. No right to change it. the emergent church, one of their leading voices, and by the way, they're a group who, that wants to reinvent the church, said this, the church is about to change in except behavior and beliefs that it has always rejected. Well, if we change the church, it's not the church any longer. It's not the church of Jesus Christ. Again, the faith was delivered once and for all to the saints. In 1 Timothy 3 and 15, he said, But if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. What is the church? The pillar and ground of the church. Different translations say the pillar and stay, the prop and support of the truth, the backbone and support of truth, the strong foundation of truth, the buttress of the truth, the mainstay of the truth, which contains and holds the truth of God, the bastion of truth. The true church will not change. Now, there will be an apostate church that will change, but the true church will not change. It will stay with the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. You know, God said it this way. He said, I am the Lord and I change not. Now, the church is not to be a reflection of culture. The church has always been countercultural. You say, well, let me just give you an example. First, second centuries, the church stood against gladiatorial games. You know, in Rome, they would say, bread and circus. You know, feed the people, give them entertainment. The entertainment was the gladiatorial games where people literally fought to the death. And the church said, life is precious and we will not support gladiatorial games. Emperor worship was law. In any town that you went to, there would be shrines to the emperor. And every person was supposed to go by. You just had to take a little bit of incense, put it over a fire and sort of pay homage to the emperor. But the Christians would not. They wouldn't do it. And the reason was the emperor claimed to be God, and they said the emperor is a man and not God. It was very, very countercultural. Right? The common practice was that if you had a child and that child was deformed in any way or even the sex that you did not want the child to be, you would kill that child, infanticide. And the church stood against infanticide and said life is precious to God. They stood against abortion. They stood against adultery. They stood against homosexuality. They stood against the Roman pantheon of gods. And they said there's just one God. They stood against euthanasia. When a person was old, it was common practice to take that person's life. If they thought there was no purpose for that person. But the church said life is precious to God. Understand, the church has always been countercultural. The church is to be in the world, but the church is to be different from the world. In the world, but different from the world. 
right? And the church has always believed in the authority of Scripture. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, which means it's God-breathed. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. Jesus said it this way. He said, the Scripture cannot be broken. It cannot be broken. And Paul speaks about the basic beliefs that a person needs to be saved in 1 Corinthians 15. And I want you to just notice a phrase that sticks out here. He said, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which, was, which I have received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures and was seen by Cephas by the twelve and after that over 500 at one time of whom the greater part remain. So we can say it this way, that Jesus died for our sins according to the Scripture, was buried, rose the third day, appeared to many. But he kept on using this phrase, according to the Scriptures. Because the church has believed in the inspiration of Scripture, that this is where God speaks to us, shows us right and wrong. Say, before I get right back into today's message, I want to just take a moment so you can celebrate with us about one of the many testimonies that we receive from all around the world. People's lives being touched by this ministry, thanks to your support and your prayers. Bill from Michigan says, my life has never been the same. Your program made me realize that something was missing in my Christian life. You see, I had grown up in the church and had gained a lot of knowledge about God, but I had never actually established a saving relationship with him. Thank you so much for your clear teaching and leading me in a prayer to ask Jesus into my life. That was the moment that everything changed for me. Now, changing individuals' lives like this is the reason for walking by faith. And I want to thank you for making this possible through your giving and your prayers. Again, Jesus tells us that when one person repents, the angels in heaven are rejoicing. And we're rejoicing, and we want you to be rejoicing with us. And I would like you to become a partner with us. So people around the world, people in your neighborhood, can hear the word and be saved. All the information that you need to become a partner is right on the screen, and your gift will be used to save souls, heal hearts, and transform lives. Thank you so much for partnering with us. Now, the first line of the Apostles' Creed, right? I, I want to start to break this down. It says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, in the original, by the way, it actually does not say I believe, but the original says we believe. We believe. And again, it has to do with one of the great differences that we find in historic Christianity and Christianity today in Western culture. You and I are living today in the most individualistic society the world has ever seen. There has never been a society like ours that promoted the rights of the individual, the happiness, the pleasure of the individual, that saw the person alone as being disconnected from family and community. When Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, I want you to listen and just listen to some of the, the words that are used here. First of all, it starts out with our Father. Not mine, but our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. How many realize this is not just about you? Jesus is wanting us to understand we are a part of a community of believers. We're a part of the church that he is building, right? Now, he said, I, we, we said, I believe, or we believe, we believe. Now, faith is not you getting God to do something, right? Faith is when you respond to something that God has done or God has declared, right? Faith begins on God's side. And faith is our response to what God has done. And, and may I just say this, every person needs to do their own believing, right? Every person has to do their own believing. In other words, God has no grandchildren. You say, well, I was brought up in a Christian home. That's great. You know, if you were brought up in a garage, that wouldn't make you a car. If you go to Dunkin' Donuts, that doesn't make you a police officer. Right? I'm probably going to catch some flag from that one from all my policemen friends. All right. But it is funny. <laughs> all right. Everybody has to do their own believing. God has no grandchildren. Right? And believing is trusting in the character of God, that he will do what he said he will do, that he is who he says that he is. Right? Uh, <laughs> faith really is the most precious possession that you can have. And you need to feed it and you need to protect your faith. Someone said this, he said, he who loses money loses much. He who loses a friend loses more. He who loses his faith loses everything. Faith is your most precious possession. Uh, Ed Cole said this. He said, the only scripture you believe is the one you obey. The only scripture you believe is the one you obey. And it really is your believing. It is your faith that connects you to God. Hebrews 11.6 says this. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, you cannot connect with God. You cannot please God. You cannot receive from God without faith. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You need to believe more than he exists, but that he is a rewarder that it makes a difference when you worship. It makes a difference when you pray. It makes a difference when you come to church in a community of believers. God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Smith Wigglesworth said, there is something about believing God that will cause God to pass over a million people just to get to you. Believing God changes the way that you live. Right? Now, when we talk about Bible believing, right, it is not mental assent. You see, you can say, I believe that Jesus was born in Bethlehem of the Virgin Mary, that he lived a sinless life, died on a cross, shed his blood, was buried, rose again the third day, ascended into heaven. But if it does not change the way you live, it's not Bible believing. Bible believing causes you the, the belief that you have to change the way that you live. And if it's just, I know that's true, that's mental assent. 
That's not Bible believing, right? Many people believe that faith is just something that they acknowledge. It's just a mental assent. But the Bible says that the demons believe and tremble. How many know it hasn't done them any good? You see, they, they have that mental assent. But Bible believing causes that faith, that belief that is in you to change what you do. James said it this way. Faith without works is dead. Right? It's not Bible faith or Bible believing if there are not corresponding action. In other words, action must correspond to your faith. Faith is not something we have as much as it is something we do. Right? Faith is not so much something you have as much as it is something you do. And you go to Hebrews 11 and you read the chapter about faith and it's by faith he built an ark. By faith they went through the sea. By faith they kept the Passover. By faith they marched around the walls. Every time it talks about faith, it talks about what they did. It talks about what they did. And Bible believing is not just a mental assent that something is true, right? Faith is the complete transference of responsibility of one's life to God. If you want to hear the rest of the story, Paul Harvey said it like this. If you don't live it, you don't believe it. That could be a verse in the Bible almost, I'm telling you. That's good. All right? If you don't live it, you don't believe it. You don't have Bible faith unless it causes action. If you've been watching today, and inside there's just this hunger for God, and you say, I know I'm not right with God. I'm not even sure I'm forgiven. I hope I'm on my way to heaven, but I want to be a Christian. You know, the Bible says to know that you have everlasting life. You're supposed to know for sure you're forgiven, right with God, on your way to heaven. And if you don't know, you're not where you should be. And I want to invite you to bow your head right now and pray this prayer out loud from your heart. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I receive him today as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you that my past is gone, that I'm forgiven, that I am your child on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, that is a simple prayer. But if you prayed that prayer from your heart, you're right with God. You're forgiven. You're on your way to heaven. And I want to help you keep growing spiritually. And I have a book that I wrote that I want to send you free of charge. It's full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually. All you need to do is contact us. All the information is right there on your screen. In Matthew 18, 19, Jesus said, If any two of you agree concerning a matter on earth, it shall be done for you. We believe that God acts powerfully when we come to him in prayer. Please call now to let us know of your prayer requests so we can begin praying for you.
Thank you for watching Walking by Faith. Walking by Faith is made possible in part by the generous gifts of our viewers. If you would like to contribute to reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ through this program, please contact us at Walking by Faith, 5120 Ivan Rest Avenue Southwest, Granville, Michigan, 49418.